Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 123 of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and today I am joined by Janelle and Megan. And that's not Janelle Megan, that is Janelle and Megan. From, <laughs> and I know that this could get very, very interesting very quickly <laughs> from the wonderful Cause and Creation podcast. And you should go and subscribe to that right now. Uh, regular listeners will remember Janelle from several episodes, including the Strangest Things episodes that we have that we really need to do again since season three aired how long ago was it now uh, oh very long time ago but it's okay yeah. <laughs> yes when season four comes out maybe we'll do another big review of both of them uh but yes uh, uh thank you guys for coming on uh this should be very interesting uh, uh, is there anything you want people to know about you before we get going? Um, I mean, it's awesome to be back. Thank you so much for having me back. And oh, no problem. <laughs> I feel like just as a like a prerequisite for like just myself, I always like to say like I I don't always like the movies everybody else likes. <laughs> So I'm always going to be, I feel like, kind of like the black sheep in a lot of these conversations. So that's my kind of like warning to the audience that um, Hmm. I'm not always a fan of the things everyone else likes. So and it's not even like in a way where I like like the really unique indie stuff. It's more I just have a really particular taste. So (laughs) okay, Hmm. maybe that will come into play a bit later then. That's what I'm warning everyone. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Megan, do you have any warnings you want to give up front? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm just going to be honest. I am one of those people who has a lot of soapboxes and wants to tear the world down. But what we're talking about today is actually my favorite movie. So I'm going to fight everybody on it. <laughs> interesting okay okay um well yes uh for those of you that uh, are unable to read the title of this episode um we will be talking about the film heathers uh now full disclosure i had never seen this film until about five days ago uh you'd never seen it either not only not only had i never seen it i've never even seen a trailer for this film before i hit play on it for the first time oh wow yeah i knew nothing about this going in i didn't even know who was in it i literally i call this my sick day movie this is like my comfort food movie like i found this movie when i was really really young me and my little sister used to watch it all the time and this is like Anytime there was a snow day at school or, like, as a grown-up, like, I was, like, homesick from work. Like, this is the movie that I watch. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I had I'm, heard about the movie, It's a weird, but... it's a weird favorite movie, but... <laughs> I had heard about the movie, but I never 
watched it and I feel like my expectations I think it's actually really nice that you went in with no expectations because I think my expectations kind of ruined my experience a little bit <laughs> well uh, I mean I I guess obviously we just covered everyone's first uh, like previous uh, thoughts on the film so, uh, <laughs> so yeah okay so for people that don't know which I feel like most people listening to this will know a bit more about it than I did going in. Um, this film was directed by Michael Lemon. Um, it had a $3 million budget and it made $1,108,462 US dollars and had no international release. This was only domestic when it first came out. So, yeah, this thing bombed. Um, it... Okay, I'm going to be honest, it bombed hard when it came out, but I think that that's part of why it was so good, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, I mean, this film, based on everything I have since found out about it, yes, this is definitely a cult film. Uh, yeah, it, it appears to have a very, very big following of people that didn't watch it when it first came out, so take that however you want to... Uh, <laughs> they just weren't ready for it. It was ahead of its time. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> or at least that's what I say. And uh, probably what several people in this film would also say. About it. Uh, yes, um, so I guess first question I had to ask, as someone that never went through an American high school, um, did this film play up the stereotypes of what you actually find in an American high school well? Or is it a complete caricature? Because I don't know enough to know how close to the mark some of it is or isn't. Janelle, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I mean, for me, it was really accurate, to be honest, because I grew up in a very similar town that I I feel like is this like kind of small like suburban area where like um you know most of the cliches were true where it's like the cheerleaders and like the football players were kind of like worshipped and even like the friend dynamics a little bit um of like these like social hierarchies and like I think I wasn't as aware of them in high school but looking back on it I can definitely say that they were happening I think it's it's very interesting thing I think when you're in high school, I don't think you're as aware of those dynamics and how extreme they are until you look back on it, at least for me. So yes, for sure, but I didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> See, I always, and I think it's part of like what I have related to, because I mean, I watched this movie for the first time when I was in like late middle school, early high school, and have just like watched it again and again and again since then. Like, I I think it's definitely a dramatization. Like, no, we weren't murdering people and faking suicides and stuff like that and, you know, high school. But but I think as far as, like, the cliques and the friend groups and just the idea of, like, you know, whenever you're a teenager, everything feels like the end of the world. And it does feel like, you know, the adults just don't understand and all of that, I think, was extremely accurate. And something that I think this film nailed that everything that came after it didn't. Because, like, this was one of the first movies 
that did the whole, like, oh, I'm trying to remember what, like, the technical term for it is, but it's, like, basically, it's, like, there's a lot of teen movies that do the whole, like, lunchroom, now we're going to show you every single click in the school, and this was the first one that was subtle enough to be the most accurate. Like, it didn't just show, like, oh, that's where the nerds sit, and that's where the jocks sit, and that's where the cheerleaders sit. It was like, oh, and then here we have the stoners, and here we have this group, and here we have this group. Like, I, I, I think that it was scary accurate, for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it, it wasn't an overt exposition dump at the beginning of the film. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, and I, I've been trying to, to, to think on this film, because um, it definitely has its own style um in in terms of like choices it made and things like that and um uh, I, I was looking into it and the guy that wrote this originally wanted stanley kubrick to direct it um because he was so that would have been amazing uh, he was so inspired by kubrick's doctor strange love uh so like that and when you actually know that, like, I think that shows you several, like, little things in the film. It's like, oh, yeah, they're definitely pulling inspiration from that. And, uh, and I, was, I was trying to think of, outside of that, what, what film does this film feel like to me? Because it, it's definitely something that has a very odd tone. I've not quite seen a film like it before with some of the things that they do and uh it, it kind of came to me earlier today this film feels like if the makers of airplane had done something in the world of donnie darko <gasps> that's mm. such a good way to phrase it honestly <laughs> mm-hmm. that's so good well and i, I think it's I think one of the important things to remember about it is that this film was sort of the first of its kind. Like, this was the first film that was providing a subversion of the John Hughes movies. Like, Pretty yeah. in Pink, The Breakfast Club, stuff like that. So, my my big thing in defense of it is, like, no, it's not perfect, But it was something completely new that a lot of other people have borrowed from. And I I think, like, honestly, probably a lot of inspiration from that. Yeah. Yeah, I I would imagine so. I feel like like it unfairly gets compared to Mean Girls. And I think that, like, almost... Like, I don't think it's anything like that. But, like, if you talk to someone about Mean Girls, Heather's usually gets brought up or Heathers gets brought up with Mean Girls, like, they always are paired just because it's, like, the trio and, like, kind of that female dynamic of, like, being, you know, fighting for power. And Well, they were brothers. What do you mean? Did you know that? The, um, they, they were the guy who made Mean Girls. I mean, like, yes, Tina Fey, but the guy who worked on Mean Girls was the brother of the guy oh. who did the Heathers. Yeah. Okay. Like the the mean like that's why like Mean Girls was everybody calls like Mean Girls the Heather's without all the murder because it, it was like the same family. I because I that's why I didn't like it though because I didn't think it was anything like Mean Girls and I feel like if I would have went into it thinking it was more you know like a Donnie Darko type thing I think I would have enjoyed it more. Like I think it gets compared to the wrong things is kind of what I'm saying. 
No, I think that that's totally fair. Well, and I think that a big problem is that it gets compared to all the teeny bopper movies that came after it when it really was kind of its own category. Oh, definitely. But I also will say is me and Megan, we just on on our podcast, we just talked about this movie, Jennifer's Body. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I I know of the film, but I have not watched it myself. Oh, you should watch it. Definitely. It's actually a really phenomenal film. It's really good. And it's, I think it's similar to this. Like, that's what I would say is, is similar because it, the, the dialogue is very similar and it's dark. It, there, it has a lot of dark themes that I think a lot of, it plays with a lot of dark themes with teenagers that I don't think a lot of movies are willing to always go there. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, a, a lot of films really do shy away from going all in on that sort of stuff. And obviously this film, it's enough of a satire slash parody that they're able to use the really morbid subject matter to to play on that and to to make you laugh at things you wouldn't normally. Um, However, you did touch on something I wanted to ask you guys about, which is the dialogue. Um, Do you guys have any favourite lines of dialogue in this film? Because I wrote several down. I mean, are we allowed to uh, cuss? Absolutely, you may fire away (laughs) when ready. So... My two favorite lines from this film were always shut up, Heather, because my little sister's name was Heather. Oh, there you go. And also, <laughs> fuck me gently with a chainsaw. I got <laughs> I got sent home early from school one day for saying that in middle school because this was my favorite movie. <laughs> like, okay. one of that's one of my favorites, definitely. But one of the ones that literally made me laugh out loud because it was so unexpected is when Heather says to Veronica, like, they're in a fight, and she's like, you were a Girl Scout cookie. <laughs> it just yeah. made me die laughing. I don't know why. I think just because of the context of, like, being in a fight with someone and literally calling them a Girl Scout cookie. It was amazing. Well, and literally, I mean, it's just, it's such a quotable movie. I mean, like, I can literally, like I said, I've watched it a lot. So, I mean, I can quote the whole thing. But, I mean, also just, like, our love is God, let's go get a slushy, like... It's just, there's so many chaos is what killed the dinosaurs, darling. Like, there's so many. There's so many quotes. Mm-hmm. Like this movie was made for T-shirts. Yeah, and 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 some of the, some of the lines that really just came out of left field were the ones that was like, okay, I, I sort of appreciate that. Such as, uh, was it? It's uh, Veronica's dad just asked. So what was the first day after Heather's suicide like? we're going there okay i like that um and uh uh probably my well, like the oh go ahead uh, i was to say like i my my favorite like i have a sort of joint thing for my favorite line just because of how how much fun you know the writers was having just writing the script um which is the bit where the dad breaks down and just says like yeah, I love my dead gay son. Uh, yep. <laughs> the funeral. Yes. Um, but then I don't know if you're familiar with the musical, but they made a whole song out of that line. I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other one is like as as they they go back to the school and the the one character whose name is escaping me right now, but where like they're trying to lead everyone in a 
prayer slash hug slash holding hands uh big scene that's going on like it's just ramping up and ramping up and then she just all of a sudden just throws out look here comes the tv crew yep (laughs) oh okay like like, all of these lines that aren't aren't necessarily the ones that everyone is just quoting um obviously all the ones you threw out there were good lines but it's like the ones that really got me in this film were the ones that were just like you know the writer just threw that in there just chuckling to himself you know (laughs) oh absolutely well i mean one of my one of my other favorites is like miss pauline is like the kind of like hippy dippy teacher and whenever she's like after handler chandler's quote-unquote suicide she's like oh we just need to get everybody together to talk and feel (laughs) and the principal's like yeah call me when the shuttle lands like And yet, one of like having actually worked in a school because I've um, my day job was working one on one doing a direct intervention with uh, with children and uh, adolescents with developmental disabilities, and I was doing it in school settings. I was doing it and stuff, and uh, working in the schools, that scene where all the teachers are talking is like, well, you know. How much time can we really take off? Like, it's, you know, we got the suicide like half a day. Like, I don't, like, that's somewhat accurate, actually. Like, it's not. No, like, they're literally talking about their, like, oh, because, like, there's, like, that whole moment where they're, like, who, which Heather was it? And they were, like, was it the cheerleader? And they're, like, no. And he's, like, oh, man, I would go half a day for a cheerleader, yeah. but this one wasn't the cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, like, those things, I have a really dark sense of humor, so I, I definitely enjoy films like this where like the subject matter is just dark and they're just having fun with it. So, yeah, I, I enjoy that side of the film. Uh, so, I guess um, this, this could be interesting. Which character is your guys' favorite? I mean... Mine is definitely Veronica. Like, I I feel like Veronica is the first character, like, that I saw that I really related to. I loved her. And then I'm also just going to go ahead and throw out that, like, JD is completely, like, guys in a trench coat is my type. (laughs) (laughs) I see. So you were seeing yourself on screen there, kind of. 100%. (laughs) Okay. So my, I, I don't want to say I didn't like any of the characters, but mm-hmm. I didn't, that was one of my big problems with the movie is I couldn't feel like I could root for any of them, really. Like I had different reasons to not root for all of them. I think my favorite personally probably would be, I don't know their like last names, but the Heather that, um, you know, tries to kill herself with the pills. I think, and, like, when her moment where she, like, calls in to the radio station and, like, has that really vulnerable moment, like, I think she became my favorite in that moment. And then, like, how she kind of ends up being the most vulnerable and the most, like, down-to-earth out of them all and who's, like, kind of, to me, the most realistic. So she was kind of my favorite. I I will say watching, watching that part and especially when she ends up trying to kill herself with the pills, like, I got the feeling that maybe the people that made Saved by the Bell watched this film because I was getting very Jesse vibes from her. Like, uh, mm. oh, specifically the episode where that. she has those 
caffeine pills because they're not allowed to say speed on TV back then. Oh yeah, no, they did they did that on Fresh Prince of Bel Air too. That's so funny. Carlton took caffeine pills, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a weird era of television. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Personally, I'm just glad that Adderall isn't a new thing when I was in college. So. <laughs> I never did, but I just like, I I know a lot of people that did. I just want to say that for like my own cover up. (laughs) For any potential employers listening, I never did. Um, Yeah, I I genuinely was incredibly like what you would call straight laced just growing up. Like I've never actually done any form of recreational drug whatsoever. Um, no, I was the yeah. mom friend for all of my more <laughs> dangerous friends, so I, I get you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, uh, when I was at university, um, I, I was also working at uh, uh, Domino's Pizza, and I would be uh, closing, so I would often be getting back to my house at about like, midnight or so. Um, and then every now and again, I couldn't be bothered to dig into my bag to get my keys, so I would just sort of knock on the the window of the house because um, the way the house was set up, you had the front door and then you just go over a little bit and the living room window is right there. So one day I, I knocked on that because the light was on uh, and I was waiting outside for maybe two minutes and no one bothered to come. So I finally dug my keys out and walked inside. And uh, the next morning, my housemates informed me that the reason they hadn't opened the door was that they had been imbibing in uh, some of some marijuana and they were convinced that I was the police. Uh, <laughs> of course. And You're always convinced it's the police. <laughs> and and I was saying, like, they, they, were, they were convinced as well that I didn't know that they'd been doing that and I had to inform them that I'd walked into a house where they'd been smoking marijuana. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly subtle. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I ended up just going in, going upstairs and going to bed. And they ended up watching TV later afterwards. <laughs> after they See, got they themselves off the floor. they have a very different story of that night than you do. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the story of how they almost got busted. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I enjoyed hearing their side of it when they eventually told me. Well, uh, you know, I, I was saying... Uh, with favorite characters in this film like obviously for me um, I would say that JD is probably my favorite character to watch in the film just because of just how ridiculously insane he gets as it just goes on and he just becomes this rambling lunatic basically by the end of the film and then uh, yeah and spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen this uh, his death scene I loved because of that little thing where it doesn't go off so he had to fiddle with it a little exactly. bit exactly <laughs> no that's like one of the best moments of the whole film is he's trying to have this dramatic suicide like blow himself up and it doesn't even go off the first time <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I I enjoyed that um, however um, I think I think my favorite caricature in the film 
is probably the police because oh, the, yeah. those those two police characters are like so obviously taking the piss out of just every stereotypical policing mm. out there, good and bad. Like, you know, it's like you, they're just so stupid. Um, and it was just kind of a relief just to have these characters. You're like, oh, you're not even trying to be real. Like, in this film, which is so just, you know, uh, over the top in some ways, but also, like, trying to get a point across and stuff. Like, you've just got these characters that are just like, no, they're stupid. Here you go. <laughs> have fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I mean, like, on, like, the least subtle note, like, they find Veronica and JD pretending to, like, make out naked in the car like they were hooking up, and they're like, and the guy's like, oh, it's just two two teenagers making out, and the other one's like, oh, are they naked? And then, like, on, like, the least subtle note, like, they literally pick up the gun with a stick, like, super, like, protocol, and then he just, like, puts it in his hand and, like, completely, like, messes up any kind of fingerprints that there could have been. Like, they're just the worst. I didn't even notice that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 was kind of refreshing just to have that much of a, we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, just shit the most it. incompetent cops you could ask for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I... They're both named Dewey and their dads were both on the force and that's how they got the job. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I also... One aspect of the film that really kind of threw me a little bit was Martha, uh, because she obviously starts out as this character that is the center of ridicule for many people, uh, but she's probably the character that, like, at the end is obviously just the most normal, down-to-earth, and just kind of chill like a nice character out of the entire film like she's just like and and at the end with veronica just being like you know hey do you want to just hang out on prom night and it's, it's just yeah sure and it's just like a nice ending to her. like i didn't see that coming like i i genuinely expected her to be another punchline and she really wasn't like i i was thrown by that well it's something that the musical did that i think was better than the film because there was a musical version that came out later and I feel like I I feel like the film was very progressive but it was still a product of the time and one of the things that I thought was really brilliant was in the musical they actually kind of fused together um her old best friend before she joined the Heathers clique and the girl who tries to commit suicide and fails, the girl who, like, walks out into traffic, that gets made fun of for just trying to emulate the popular kids for trying to commit suicide. They made them one character, and it it really is just kind of, like, she is one of the most sympathetic characters just because she's the real victim through the whole thing. Like, she's the one who's alone and the one who lost her friend and the one who's hurting and the one who is suffering and the one who doesn't get any sympathy from any other characters in the movie until the very end. Yeah. And yeah, because it, it was interesting because I was trying to, to think about it because, as we see, Veronica has become part of the Heather's clique, which 
if you really think about it, it makes no sense because much like the Ashleys in Recess, you know for yes. a fact they never would have let her in. <laughs> like, uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. But uh, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, like like she does just. Veronica wants to kind of get out of it and go back to her nerdy friends or her old friend uh, and become disillusioned with this whole thing, but. Do you ever actually see anyone that she, that like she was? Really, I think there's a one person in the cafeteria, uh, but yeah, she just kind of talks to her for what ten seconds, and then that that's it. You never see the character again. Like it's, it's just it it was a little odd thinking about it now that she had the old friend that you see in that scene, and then she just ends up talking to talking to Martha at the end. So yeah. It's, I didn't think about it. Well, I would have. I mean, one of my favorite scenes, though, is the scene with Veronica and that other girl that she used to be friends with. Um, I don't remember her name. But, and they're talking, and one of the things the girl says is, like, you know, I'm kind of basically like being, she's so jealous of Veronica and her life. And Veronica says something like, you know, your your dreams are better than my reality or something like that. And it Mm -hmm. really is such a really great moment I think and realization I think for both of them that like it's like always like the grass is always greener you know and I think it's a really simple way of Veronica being like I'm kind of jealous of the fact that you're just a teenager and you haven't kissed anyone yet and you don't have all of these complicated things that I have um that I'm dealing with and then you know the other one who's you know not sexually active and things like that is like oh I wish I was doing all these exciting things and going to all these parties it's like you know it's that struggle of like do I grow up too fast or do I, you know, am I acting too young? And it's a really real balance that I feel like a lot of teenagers and especially female teenagers go through. No, I I always thought that that was really, really great. And I also, so like this movie wasn't about female friendships and it was the, it had two women who were the producers for it, but for the most part, like writer director were male So I I think that, like, any female interaction moments you got were going to be subtle. And the one thing that I I will say, too, is that I do... This might just be because I've watched it so many times. And I will completely say, like, I am biased for that. But there is a picture of Veronica and Heather Chandler, the first Heather, the really, really bitchy leader one that dies first... There's a picture of them in, like, a photo booth in their locker that just looks very, like, average teenage girls messing around. And I I do think that there was a level of Veronica and Heather were actually friends in, like, their weird, like, frenemy kind of way. And, and, And I think that that's even kind of reflected in a weird way of, like... You know, I mean, like, if we're assuming that Veronica and Heather Chandler are best friends, then it's almost more upsetting that Heather Chandler dies and nobody's really checking in to see how Veronica or the other Heathers are handling it. Like, they do kind of just straight move on to, like, oh, like, how was it? Or the the line that you were talking about. How was, like, the day after Heather committed suicide? (laughs) Like... Like, nobody really gets the chance to, like, grieve that. And I'll even say, too, like, 
one of the things that I thought was really brilliant about the movie is the lighting design in it and the color design is incredible. And there's this really, really great moment whenever they go to the college party. It's um, Veronica and Heather Chandler, the first Heather that dies, the leader one. And it's like very well established. Like Veronica's color is blue and Heather Chandler is red and McNamara is yellow. And um, the Shannon Doherty Heather is green. And so they go to the party and they're wearing their colors and whenever it's that situation where the college guys are trying to hook up and hook up with them and they're both like feeling kind of pressured into doing something that they don't want to do, one of them goes through with it, one of them doesn't, um, there's this really, really great mirror scene that both of them have and Heather's looking into a mirror in a blue room and Veronica's looking into a mirror in a red room where they've kind of like sort of been in each other's worlds and are like struggling with it. Maybe I'm getting too heady about it. <laughs> like I said, I've seen it a lot, but but I even think that like there was friendship between like Veronica and the Heathers. It was well, and I think it's a very touching moment too with like Veronica and Heather McNamara whenever she's like guzzling all the pills and she's like stopping her from committing suicide. Like there's like this really tender moment where she's telling her like nobody's happy every day of their life if you were you'd be a game show host and she's like talking her off a cliff basically like like I think that there are like really strong female relationships in it they're just very subtle like you have to kind of like you can't blink or you'll miss them yeah and one thing you actually said about as well like how it seems like everyone just kind of moves on really quickly from the suicide there as well i i think that felt to me like a whole thing of everything's so superficial that everyone just gets back into their own routine uh, for instance uh you you probably noticed having watched the film so much whenever you see veronica sitting down outside at the table with her parents it is the same dialogue they're eating the same thing the same things yep. happen and then she leaves that like, she, she was rushing home to have dinner with her parents, and all she does is sit down, eat a little bit of pate, and leave. Like, it's just... Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, like, literally, tragedy happens, and everything stays exactly the same. Yeah, everyone just wants to get back into the routine again, and, so I, and I think it really did feel like the whole thing was like, oh, the popular person died, well, it's okay, because there's more popular people, so we're good. Like, it... Uh, <laughs> How like no, how much exactly. do they actually care? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's something that the movie really accomplishes that a lot of movies don't is like it really does hit. I mean, like this movie hits on suicide and murder and date rape and like all of these really intense subjects, but it's like it hits it and it makes a punchline and it moves on. And I, I think that that gets a stronger reaction out of people in a way. Just because it's like it's not beating you over the head and it's not preaching to you. It's like it sort of makes you outraged that everybody's reacting the way that they are. Like watching it, you're like, why aren't you guys handling this better? When like I I feel like in real life, like we have a tendency to kind of, you know, we're living our lives and then something unfortunately exciting happens like that. And then we just want things to go back to normal. And, and I think, like, this movie does a really, really good job of, like, instead of, like, beating you over the head with, this is bad, you shouldn't feel that way, 
it just kind of like holds a mirror up so you can see like, wow, this is awful. We shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, it's interesting that you're saying that it, that was like an intentional thing of like, you know, they're dealing like it's like it hits you over the head with something and then it moves on very quickly because I feel like that's one of the reasons why it it rubbed me the wrong way a lot because I feel like it didn't stay in those spaces long enough to like fully experience them. But I do totally see the argument that that was intentional. And that's like kind of the point is that we don't process grief and we don't process things the way that we should and we don't feel emotions as deeply as we need to and maybe that was like the whole you know the whole reasoning behind you know showing a really dramatic scene and then moving on to the next dramatic thing and you're still kind of just like oh my god like that just happened like we're not even going to process that now we're on to this next horrific thing um because that found that was very overwhelming for me personally but I do understand how that could have been intentional too well, there's, like, literally a whole dream sequence where, like, it, it's, like, they, they don't actually end up killing Shannon Doherty's character, but, like, uh, Veronica has, like, this dream sequence that JD does, like, kill her and fakes her suicide, and then it's, like, this whole funeral scene where she ends up there with um, the ghost of Heather Chandler, and the first thing that Heather, Heather Chandler says is she was, like, oh, I had at least 70, like, more people at my funeral. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's so, like, it's so callous that it kind of, like, really, like, hits you. Like, it makes an impact because it's so callous. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm interested to hear this one. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Have either of you watched World's Greatest Dad? Yes. I wasn't going to bring it up because that's a really weird movie, but it, it's very in line with that. Yeah, because uh, Janelle, you were, you were saying that you, you didn't quite like Janelle, how... you should never watch that movie. <laughs> I can't even stomach to watch it a second time, but... Oh, wow. Okay, then I'm good. <laughs> yeah, because it, 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 was, it was one of the last films that Robin Williams did before he died, and uh, like you were saying that you didn't... Qu- quite like how they didn't stay in those moments and really deal with the emotions and stuff from something like that and world's greatest dad is um it sounds like you don't really know much about it uh it's a film where robin williams plays a father who's a teacher at the school and his son ends up um dying in an autoerotic asphyxiation uh accident um and his his writing as in robin williams's character's writing is then seen as his son's writing and then it takes off and so like he's kind of riding the coattails of his son's death celebrating his Uh. writing and like and everyone at school is being super nice to him now and all of that and like and it's just trying to see him deal with what's going on and it it crescendos very well um however (laughs) as megan said um yeah, uh, it's an interesting film it's, and yeah. difficult to watch. No, well, it, it's an bit. amazing, like, it, I would never watch it a second time because no. it just, it, it's a very disturbing film, but it's like, like, the ending monologue is, like, very brilliantly written because it's literally, like, Robin Williams finally fessing up and being like, look, my son was an asshole and I didn't even like him, you guys didn't like him. And everything, and, like, literally the only reason that people are, like, banding behind him and, like, the reason that Robin Williams is, like, 
he's like on like talk shows and stuff is because his son died in this really horrible way and he like made it look like this very heroic suicide type thing and it like honestly like whoever I, I don't know like who the production team was behind that but it had to be inspired by the Heathers I would have to say yeah yeah I mean I I can like having now seen this I can see that maybe that could be the germ of the idea and then they really took it and made a very good film out of it that you definitely don't want to rewatch. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, interest. that was an interesting film because like, you, you had, um, uh, the, I cannot remember his name for the life of me, but the kid who plays Junie from Spy Kids is the son in the film. Yep. Um, the Rock is one of the teachers. Uh, and it's just like, it. it's so odd like watching the film like you're kind of on a nice edge throughout the entire film and robin williams did such a good job in that um, but uh but yeah um if you do end up deciding to watch it janelle um plan to have the rest of the day off probably because uh, you're going to be dealing with some movies. stuff gotcha. yeah yeah, I tend to just avoid those movies. I mean, we were just talking about before we jumped on recording this. I won't even watch, um, what's the movie? That Inside you're Out. Inside Out. I, I, I was going to make that Out. joke. <laughs> if you won't watch Inside Out, you will not be able to get through World's Greatest Dad. Yeah. Like, so... it, it's it's one of those movies where, like, I'm glad I've seen it once, but I will never watch it again. <laughs> like, it's it it's not a feel-good movie. <laughs> No, yeah, absolutely like, not. It's like brilliant acting, <laughs> and it's it's a brilliant script, but it's just, it's very emotional. Yes. Yeah, it definitely would do that. And I watched that film before I was a dad. I don't think I could watch it now. I really don't. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I watched it when I was in college. I was just, like, binging a bunch of movies, like, after Robin Williams passed away yeah and i was just like watching a bunch of his movies and i saw that one pop up on netflix and i'm like oh i haven't seen this one (laughs) this will be a good like mood booster world's greatest dad (laughs) and it was like it was like a car wreck like i just like i couldn't stop but i was like oh my gosh i don't want to watch this anymore like it's it's a lot it's a ride (laughs) yeah it's actually kind of interesting um uh Obviously, we're really tangenting now, but some of the last things that Robin Williams made before he died, you have World's Greatest Dad that was a, a, a couple of years, I think, before he died. Um, and then also he made, uh, what was it? It's like, I think it's just called Angry Man or something like that. And it's like, it, it's a film where he is just, he's someone who just gets so angry and he's told by his doctor that he had 90 minutes to live. And so like he just, he goes around and he's, just kind of acting insane around New York City, I think it is. And it's just like, like all, all of these really interesting choices that he made back then with some of the stuff. And it's like, oh, he actually dealt with death a lot in the last few things that he ended up doing. It was very strange, um, un- unfortunately, that that was uh, mm-hmm. the stuff he did. Yeah. Um, tell you what, let's bring it back to Heathers. Right at the end. Well, what did you think of the Heathers? I mean, like, it's just somebody who just went in without thinking about it at all. I'd say, um, as someone that went into this film not knowing anything about it, uh, I I enjoyed the style of it. I'm definitely 
the right type of person to to enjoy this film like you know the complete irreverence that it has for everything and everyone uh the the dark humor that's in it um and uh and just some of the random throwaway lines like um uh i i had a couple of notes that i didn't even know how to get to um but uh, i'll just kind of mention them here it's, it's like random things that i just quite liked, like how after the party when she's writing in her diary um she has a monocle on for no reason she just had the monocle <laughs> just well, she's just that much <laughs> and then also uh one of the things i really liked is just how like whenever she's writing in her diary like it's as if you've just handed someone a pen and just said pretend you're writing um but it's someone that has never done acting in front of a camera before so they're just like okay big letters here we go it's like she just, her, yeah. her writing is just insane throughout it and i really like that um uh, and the the only two things that i that i wrote down that i was like really oh okay um the the first thing i i have to ask because i genuinely don't know is cow tipping a real thing? Is this a thing that people do? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know about Pennsylvania, Janelle, but it was Virginia cow tipping as a thing. Okay. I, I did not know if it was a thing or not, to be honest. <laughs> cow tipping is unfortunately a thing. Okay. That's so mean. Oh my so like, cows can't, cows can't lay down. They can't get back up if you do that. It's That's very, very mean. So I have never participated, but it it is a thing. Oh my god, no! Was that? I mean, that's just yeah, that's just wrong. Um, well, I mean, even even more so than that, the fact that like these two dudes took these girls on a date to go cow tipping is a whole is that, other level. Is of, that realistic? Like, is that something that happened in your in your town, Megan? No, we went to Walmart. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, we went to Walmart in my town too. So okay, that was drunk. Cool. Guy, drunk guys did cow tipping. Dates were at Walmart. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, you had I, some classier men. <laughs> I, um, and then and the only other thing that I I had down was um, there's there's a bit where JD is talking to Veronica. Veronica says that you know, oh, we got rid of one Heather, the next one pops up, and JD mentioned like a Hydra, and Veronica reacts as though she's never heard of a Hydra, and I refuse to believe that the character of Veronica doesn't know what a Hydra is because that's no, exactly what something she would know. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she has like a whole bit like after they have sex after playing croquet. Which is enough in itself of a sentence to say that she should know what a hydra is. That she seduced someone with croquet. That, like, she's talking about how she was supposed to, like, skip grades. Like, she would absolutely know what a hydra is. Yeah, it's just, like, that was, like, funnily enough, that was the thing that took me out of this film. was, (laughs) Was the fact that this character wouldn't know what a you know, Greek mythology creature was, like, uh, bullshit. She knows what that is. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I'd well, say... Well, I appreciate that somebody mansplaining Hydra to a girl is, like, the thing that you were like, no, <laughs> not real. <laughs> yeah. All the suicide packs and, like, faked murders and everything, and you were like, mm, she would know what a Hydra is. Yeah, like, it's just, 
Yeah, no, it that that was like the only part where I I genuinely felt like I think the I don't know if the writer was trying to kind of make it a joke or something or just make it a thing, but it was like that that was the one bit of writing in this film that I thought fell flat. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, well. Can I ask a question? No, absolutely not. How dare you ask? Carry oh, on. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I want to know what. Because, I mean, I know what my answer is. What disturbed you guys the most? Like, what scene, like, bothered you the most out of this movie? Um, tell you what, do you know, know why like, don't you for... go first with that one? Yeah, Oh, go my for God, it. like, everything. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I feel like there was a lot of, like, sexual assault scenes that, like, were just... Like, I mean, even just kind of JD and Veronica's, like, relationship sometimes. Like, he would just grab her and kiss her. And, like, a lot of, like, things made me really, really uncomfortable. But I think the biggest thing for me was just the the scene where they're cow tipping and she's getting date raped in the background. And, like, no one's saying anything. Like, and it's just happening. And Veronica's over talking to JD. I remember just being, like, sick to my stomach through that whole scene. Yeah. Um... Now, my response to the question, what in this film disturbed me, is genuinely nothing. Because I, and A, I have an incredibly morbid sense of humor, but also I have always been able to have this thing where I can look at this and just see it as like piece of art. This is something they did. Like I'm able to kind of look at it with that veneer. So I've, just like I've never seen a horror film that has scared me, I've never watched a film that has disturbed me either. Like that, it's it's weird. Like th- there are several things in this that's like, oh, that would be horrific. Like that would be that that would be the the dregs of humanity right there if that was going on. But uh, yeah, no, I I was able to watch this film entirely just looking at it, just like, oh, okay, what's next? Like um, I don't know what that said about me as a person, but. Uh, we are just go. two opposite sides of the spectrum. That's all it, <laughs> it is. Like, Pretty fully much. opposite. <laughs> I wish I was more like that, where I could take the emotion kind of out and just watch it from, like, an outside perspective. That must be, like, a very healthy way to watch movies. <laughs> it's a healthy way to watch films. However, it's not the... You know, it can lead to issues if that's how you live your life. Um, I mean, there's pros and cons <laughs> to everything, right? True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could say the grass is always green on the other side. Oh, look, something exactly. we mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> well, go on then, Megan. What's your answer to this then? I don't know why this really is, but I, I just like, even like, like, and I'll be honest, watching it this time, it was even more date rapey than I remember. I didn't remember how much he would just like grab her and kiss her. And maybe that was because like my teenage brain was like, Ooh, poison trench coats. But like <laughs> it just like it didn't like register with me. The the cow tipping date rape scene always got me. But my my thing with it was always that like every single one of those moments I could tell. Like, oh the, like the point is that like the film wants you to be upset about this. But like for some reason the thing that always got to me is the scenes with JD and his dad. Where they do that thing where, like, the dad will call him son and he'll talk to the dad like he's 
the son or like wait hold on <laughs> the dad will call him the dad like the dad would come in and he'd be like oh dad can i have a friend over whenever he sees veronica on the couch and then jd will be like oh sport yeah you're supposed to ask permission for that and there was something about that like role reversal like just because it was never really addressed that always like kind of like set my hair on end like there was always something like so there was because it was like everything else in the movie I felt like oh this is making an impact because it's supposed to but for some reason the scenes with him and his dad always really just kind of like were very chilling to me just because it's like I felt like I never got the reward of like yeah like I'm supposed to not like this and it's like like whenever like you find out that JD's mom committed suicide by going into one of the buildings that the dad was blowing up and like JD brings that up and then it's like the dad completely drops the routine is just like yep and it it just there was something about it like just because it didn't feel like there was a resolution to it that really just always gets me every time I watch it I I will say think thinking about it now uh I don't know if this is devil's advocating it or uh trying to read into it too much but if you if you take what you were just saying, so obviously the the dialogue there between JD and his dad, it's a role reversal. If you were to take their dialogue and literally just switch characters so they were more regular, it that would be as if someone were writing the cheesy over the top dialogue of just like yeah hey sport aren't you supposed to ask permission oh sorry dad i was like it's that and i feel that flipping it yeah. to the other characters mm. is really just taking an extra level of we know this dialogue is cheesy let's see what we can do with it no totally. like whenever he's like working on the bomb that he's gonna blow up the school with it's like like he's got the door shut and the dad's like yelling through the door like hey dad can you come help me with my homework and everything and jd's just like Ah, sorry, sport. I'm a little busy right now. There's just, there's something about... Because, like I said, it's like everything else... Because, like, the the movie does such a good job of, like... Everything's a punchline, so you understand, like... Oh, this is supposed to be wrong. But for some reason, it was, like, the interactions with, like, JD and his dad... Like, it never feels like you get that punchline. So it always just, like, made me feel really weird about it. Yeah, and like I said, I can't hmm. even like quite like articulate it, but like yeah, it's like like that cheesy like Hallmark movie type dialogue, but something about having it flipped just like increases the insincerity level like up to a point where like it's it's not funny. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it's like a really good acting kind of exercise or lesson, I guess, where it's like. I mean, the dialogue is very important and screenwriters have a lot of respect for them. I don't want to, you know, say this and have that be discounted. But at the same time, you know, the different actors could take that dialogue, even with the same characters, and do it completely differently. But the way that they played off of each other, I think that's what made it. it there was almost an aggression to it that yeah. normally wouldn't have existed there. That was just, I think, the actor listening and responding and, you know, that building upon the energy of the, the last line that I think is what made that so interesting. 
No, I think that that makes... Because it's like, like I said, like, there's so much in the movie. Like, they're being so callous about so many things. And I feel like you always kind of get that punchline where you're like, oh, yeah, you're you're the bad person. I'm not supposed to agree with you. But there was just always something about this, like, very subtleness with them that it was like, I felt like you just, you never actually got the resolution of, like, oh, yeah, like, we can all agree this is bad. Like, you know what? I, I don't know. It was very, very strange, but, like, it always, like, it's the worst part of the movie for me just because, like, I feel like I never get the satisfaction of, like, the film telling me, like, oh, yeah, no, it's okay that you don't like this. Mm. Yeah, and, like, just just with us talking about it now, I, I just ha- kind of had a bit of a weird flash as well because um, the, the way the characters are talking to each other, it kind of gave me a bit of a weird like film connection type thing here which would be I sort of have a headcanon now that he actually had uh, a brother that you never saw who changed his last name and grew up to become Jason Bateman mm. be- because they feel very similar like in that fake sincerity of playing yeah. everything like well, I think that there's something, the thing that really bothers me about like JD's character is like I'm not trying to sympathize with with him necessarily because I mean like he is literally the archetype of the bad boy and he's like one of the first manic pixie dream boys that we've ever gotten in media where it's like no like he's a sociopath but I just he's also the only character that actually commits suicide in the whole thing like it's just like there's always like something about him where it's like he's the one that always feels the most lost because he never really gets that ending of, like, figuring out that he was wrong. Now, here's, here's something interesting as well that you mentioned. That, um, do you know what the original ending was going to be? No. No. So the original uh, version of the script that they made, JD actually succeeds in blowing up the school, and the final really? scene is like a prom in heaven. Uh, but... The, the people at the, the production company agreed to finance the film as long as they changed the ending. So this is the alternate ending that the studio wanted, as it were. Oh, wow. Interesting. Well, and that's not like, I, I was like texting with Janelle, like after she watched a film, like before we came on here. And it's, like, it's one of those things where, like, I I think that JD is a very important character in this just because I think that he symbolizes, like, the bad boy that girls fantasize about. Like, you know, he's the the James Dean, or in modern terms, he's every John Green character that, like, you know, my little sister is attracted to. Like, he's, like, that bad boy archetype that you really need to stay away from. And I feel like this movie does a really good job of, like, really, like, solidifying, like, no, he's a bad guy. Like, he's a murderer and kind of a rapist and also, like, a whole bunch of other really terrible things. But, like, there's just, there's something that still makes me feel for him in a way that, like, every other character in this gets the chance to sort of, I guess, like, realize their faults or you know, make a change or something like that where, like, he's the only character that doesn't really get that opportunity. Like, he's literally just the villain. And maybe that's, like, you know, like, 
late 80s, early 90s writing. But there's just, there's always something, like, so unsatisfying for me about his character that, like, I never feel like he actually got the chance to, like, be better. Yeah. I mean, I would argue, though, that he did have that opportunity. Like, I feel like Veronica was his opportunity. Like, Veronica asking him, like, to just, to not kill people. (laughs) <laughs> like that was yeah, his opportunity. No, which is a reasonable one. Like I, I don't know. I truly despised him. Like with every, this is like as soon as I ended watching the movie, I texted Megan. I was like, I hate this character so much. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have any sympathy for him at all, at all. And I don't have any sympathy. I feel like for that mindset of like, woe is me. Life is hard, so I'm gonna take it out on everybody else. So I think that's also why he. Just I, I just did not understand Veronica's attraction to him. I was like, why don't you just get away from this man? <laughs> like, I was just very, very frustrated for poor Veronica the whole time. Well, she pretty she leaves it pretty early on though, too. But she keeps like I don't know back. what like the timestamp is, but well, I mean, like she keeps going back because he's trying to like murder more people. Like I, I feel like the romantic part of their relationship ends pretty early. But I I feel like this is coming off like I'm like a JD sympathizer and I'm not. <laughs> like, like I, I very much think that like this movie was like proof that like he's the kind of guy that we all need to stay away from. Like he's a clove cigarette as a person and we're not supposed to like him. But like I just, I, I don't know. Like I always like, I feel like that ending, like just the fact that he's the only one that actually does it is always, like, so weird to me just because it's, like, I feel like everybody else learns a lesson and he just is gone. Yeah, and and Megan, yes, I, I had to stop lying to you. This is an intervention. We're all worried about you and we really want you I to know, get I know, I know. It's my bad boy tendencies. I get it. We're keeping <laughs> you away from boys in trench coats from now on. <laughs> from now on, only men in petticoats. That's all you're allowed. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Oh, you found my other fetish. Great. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay, fine. Men in no clothes. No, wait, that's worse. Um. Oh, man. <laughs> You're reading me like a book. <laughs> I, um, I, say, I, I think I've pretty much got everything I, I had on this film. Is, is there anything else that um, yeah, you really wanted to bring up about uh, the film Heather's? I mean, I don't want to, like, belabor the JD and Veronica thing, but I do want to ask both of you, mm-hmm. why do you think Veronica is so attracted to JD and kept going back to him? Like, what I wrote down, I literally wrote down, like, I'm trying to figure out what Veronica's weakness is, because she has agency. In the beginning of the film, like, she tells off the Heathers. Like, I really liked about her character. She wasn't the typical nerdy girl who was like being remade by the popular girl like she stuck up for herself like she gave you know back talk and things like that to the quote-unquote popular girls but then when it came to JD she wasn't able to so what to me that was like a really huge disconnect of like well why is she weak in some moments and like strong in others is it just like teenage love is it just attraction which I mean I don't know if that's simplifying it but that was kind of my my question I guess um i i would say based on my single watch of this film uh i would say 
I felt the initial attraction that was there, aside from the fact that, you know, he's Christian Slater and he's obviously <laughs> going to be the, uh, the main love interest, um, is the fact that out of everyone at the school, he's the only one that isn't also in some sort of clique or cliche or other group. Because, you know, you've got all the jocks, you've got all the nerds, you've got all of the cheerleaders, you've got all of this, you've got all of that. And he's an island in and of himself. And mm-hmm. that's what she wanted. She wanted something that was different from the the status quo. Um, now, uh, I can't read any more into that because... I didn't grow up in an American high school. I, I didn't have that kind of experience, so I don't know if there's something else I'm missing that might have also fed into it. Um, but uh, that that that's kind of my surface level take on it. No, I, I think that that's completely right. I mean, I, I think that that's where a lot of the initial attraction to him comes from, is that he's an outsider to the school. Like, you know, I mean, if if you think about it in terms of like an American school, like. Everybody that she's gone to school with, she has gone to school with since she is a child, like grade school. Like, it's like, it's it's in Ohio. Like, she has known these people since she was in, like, kindergarten, basically. And so I, I think that the initial attraction really comes from the fact that he's the first person that sees her as just who she is rather than having grown up with her and grown up with her falling into different cliques and like things like that. Like, I think that his outsider perspective is very attractive because he actually sees her the way that she wants to be seen, not the way that everybody has been placing her. But the only other thing that I'll say to that is she leaves him right after they kill Kurt and Ram, the football players, which is in the middle of the movie. Like, she's only really with him for half the movie. And after Kurt and Ram, like, she goes over to his house and he's, like... It's, like, there, there's, like, the scene where, like, he, he takes out, like, it, like she's at it in his living room. And he takes out the gun and he, like, shoots a, like, vase and, like, blows up a vase. And he's, like, spouting off all of his stuff. And she's, like, no, 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 we're over. And... All of their interactions after that are only because she's trying to keep him from doing anything else. So, like, I don't really think that the romance really carries through the whole thing. I think that there's a level at the end, like in the whole boiler room scene, whenever she's trying to keep him from blowing up the school, where, like, she does try to reason with him. But I I think that that falls more into, like, she's trying to fix a broken person, not she's still in love with him like I I don't know I just like I never really read it as like their romance really carried on past killing the football players like I think the minute he tricked her into shooting someone she was like oh no we're done but they have the whole moment in the car after that like they have multiple moments after she's like she he she full on gets manipulated by him he full on lies to her and then she continues to like be in the car with him have a conversation with him, like, hear him out, and then is over his house as if they're continuing their relationship. So, like, it's not until he shoots the TV, I think, that she starts to distance herself. And then I don't think That's it's really fair. until... I don't think... I don't... Honestly, I would argue that our relationship doesn't really end until he goes to her parents' house and gives them that no... Kind of, like, that she's gonna, like, fake her suicide or whatever. 
I don't think it's not until that point where she's like, okay, he needs to be stopped, kind of. Well, I guess, like, to that, I would just say, like, they're supposed to be, like, 17. (laughs) Fine. And so I just, like, I, I, I feel like there's a level of, like, that's not rational, but, like, what 17-year-old is. No, that's fair. I so, mean, like, I, I feel like there's a level of... I, I feel like there's a level of, like... Well, and, too, I mean, like, she's complicit in a murder. So, I mean, like, I, I feel like, like... I, I feel like if you're young and somebody tricks you into shooting someone, you wouldn't be... Your first thought wouldn't be to go straight to the cops and rat them out because you would go down with them. Because, I mean, like, she has been complicit in all of these murders up until now. So I think that, like, I think that there's a level of, like, her just not thinking things through because she's a teenager. And I think there's a level of her being confused. Like, one of my favorite lines in the movie is, like, whenever she's, like, writing in the diary and she was, like, we tried things JD's way and nothing changed. And we tried things Miss Pauline's way, which is the like more hippy dippy feelings teacher and nothing changed. So now I don't know what to do. Like, I, I think that it's a lot less like, oh, she's the main character and she's making bad decisions and a lot more. Why is the 17 year old the one who's supposed to solve all these problems? Hmm. Like, why aren't the adults dealing with this? Like, why is our hero a 17-year-old girl? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a fair point. And I could definitely see how, like... I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate. Like, I totally agree with you. Like, poor choices all around. <laughs> just poor choices. But, like, but teenagers just to, make like, poor just choices. Just play devil's advocate. Like, also, she's 17, and this is, like, adult problems. Like, no. she shouldn't be... Like, she shouldn't have to deal with any of this. No, that's fair. I mean, I think I just... My biggest thing is, like, sometimes she has agency and sticks up for herself, and other times she doesn't. And I'm just... That's what was frustrating for me, is it just seems, like, a little inconsistent. But, I mean, to your argument, yeah, teenagers are inconsistent. Sometimes you have confidence, sometimes you don't. And I'm sure love and, you know, teenage love skews all of that. So... I could definitely well, and see if you're both looking sides. at this as like a subversion of a John Hughes movie where stalking's fine, date rape's fine, like negging is fine. Like I, I, I think that like I mean, I, I think that if this movie came out like now in twenty twenty, like you could have less sympathy for her still going after him. But I mean, this was coming off the era of like boys learning that it's okay to stalk a girl because she just doesn't know that she loves you yet and that's Mm. romance so like I also I I feel like part of that too is like the lesson Mm -hmm. maybe maybe I'm being too generous and and also like thinking about like a lot of these films from back then you know when people say oh this film was made now like you know a lot of the old films you say this film would never get made now uh, like I'm trying to think about it, like thinking through everything in the film, and I actually think you, if this film had never been made, but this script landed in studios now, I think this film would get made the same way now. Like I, I think there's enough in it that you know, for instance, everyone that does any of the shitty stuff 
get their comeuppance. Like, they, they, you know, all, all of the all of the people that are either you know attempting to date rape or uh, like you know insulting or picking on people and all of that stuff. Like you know, they all get killed. Like it's, it's almost like a horror film, actually, in that kind of respect. Like kind of feels like yeah. a, a, you know. Nightmare on Elm Street type thing where all of these characters are just dying left, right, and center. Um, yeah, it's, I, I would be, you know what? Okay, final thing before we, we wrap this all up because, uh, you know, some of us have got to get to bed at this point. Um, but oh. uh, uh, but uh, let's say this film was made now. Who would you guys cast as Veronica and JD? Hmm. I mean, there's the sh- um, on Riverdale. There's this the either Cody or Dylan Sprouse. I don't know which one it is. He plays a character very similar to JD. I would cast him as JD, definitely. Okay. Veronica. Let me think. I would cast all my ex boyfriends as JD. Clearly. <laughs> um, oh yeah, was that not an option? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to think. I I feel like Veronica is the harder one for this. Yeah, I I, I would agree. agree with that for JD. Or I would give it to um, I would give it to um, I I think Ansel Elgort. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's the modern JD. Like I think like like his character in The Fault in Our Stars, his character in Baby Driver, like that's JD now. Mm-hmm. Like if we're modernizing it, like. I would say Ansel Elgort, but for Veronica. I actually have an idea for who I would put as uh, Veronica, although I'd, she's she's still a couple of years younger than the character's supposed to be. Uh, but uh, I would pick Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, that's a good choice. Ooh, I could see that. That's a really good choice. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I actually don't have a pick for JD. I, I don't know enough actors around that age that i think would fit the mold um i mean hell if i'm if i'm picking if i'm <laughs> picking from stranger things uh uh try, damn, trying to think uh will's older brother uh can't can't think of his damn name now but uh, uh oh, oh i know who you're talking oh, about oh no he would be perfect yeah he would be really he good. would be perfect that's a good one See, I think that I would pitch, like, Karen and Shipka for Veronica, maybe. The girl who played Sally Draper in Mad Men. Oh, yeah, she's Sabrina now. She's, like, Sabrina now. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe her, but even then, like, I, I think you might have nailed it, actually. Yeah, I like <laughs> yours the best, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Okay, so you're in charge of the remake. You casted it. <laughs> yeah, okay. seriously. <laughs> Uh, hell, if anyone manages to put that together, I will happily <laughs> take the helm on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that uh, may be one of the Heathers. I, that's all I ask if you're casting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell you what, um, you you could be, uh, let's see, trying to think, uh, maybe you could be a cool aunt or something, and like, you'll just be a, a character that just comes in and just has something like that. <laughs> like that sounds hmm. very fun. And I would be one of the football players since I'm six foot tall and, like, super buff. You've never met me, so you don't know otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to those listening to this, Megan is six feet and super buff. <laughs> I'm built like a Hemsworth. 
Okay, I'm like five <laughs> three and slight, but <laughs> it, it, you know what? Uh, this will only go over well uh, for English listeners. However, I think we could cast you two as a pantomime cow. So you, you guys should be the cow that gets tipped <laughs> we'll over. Be the cows that get tipped. Oh my god! There we go. That is a role I would be so happy to play. Absolutely. And, and Megan and Janelle is the tipped cows, <laughs> featuring, and starring. It, <laughs> yeah, you, you get the and credit at the in the in the opening. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, well, I, I, I think we've pretty much gone over this as much as we possibly can. Um, so, so yes, uh, uh, all that's really left here is uh, uh, very much thank you guys both for coming on. It's uh, been a blast talking to you guys about this. Um, where can people find you if they wish to do so? Um, well, you can find me on um, all social media at Janelle Megan. And I'm at Hello Megan Martin on instagram and that's the best place to follow me (laughs) and um and also you guys are doing the cause and creation podcast you want to give people a a quick uh summary of uh, of what it's about yeah no we we uh co-host the cause and creation podcast it is a podcast for creatives we talk about our own creative lives, things that bring us inspiration and joy, and we also interview other creatives, and we've had some amazing guests, everything from film producers to game makers, so check us out. Yeah, very much so. Go check them out, go rate and review them, and us if you haven't done so. Hi, yes, wouldn't mind some of those, Uh, but uh, yeah, seriously, go check them out, they're great, It's, it's a lot of fun listening to that and just hearing them talking about you know, the creative process and uh, just making things because hell, it's fun to make things. Uh, <laughs> so, so yes, and uh, for those of you who want to get a hold of us here at Blokebusters, it basically just look for Blokebusters. It's kind of difficult to not find us if you just Google Blokebusters, but, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook and Instagram, yeah, a little bit more sketchy on that side. But anyway, um, and uh, got the website, blokebusters.com. Uh, you can email us, theblokes at blokebusters.com as well. If you really, really want to go long form into everything that I said wrong on this podcast. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I'll probably read it. You know, you never know. Give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, once more. Seriously, thank you guys for coming on. Janelle, always great to have you on. Megan, definitely hope we can have you back on for something else. Uh, no, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah, thank well. you. Yeah, I had a blast. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, seriously, thank you guys. And uh, uh, I will be talking to everyone else later. Bye. 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 In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh... Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.